Hello and welcome to another episode of Humans of SDU. Today we are going to talk to Peter. He is a professor and a researcher within the field of experimental surgery at the SDU. Before we start the actual conversation, I wanted to tell you how I met Peter. It was quite a coincidence. We met at a pizzeria where I work and uh, Peter was ordering and he said a few things to his wife. And I heard that it was actually in Slovak, so I knew that we can just switch to our mother's language. And actually, since then, we met a few more times for dinner or picnic. So when finally find out that uh, Peter is actually working at the SDU, I had to ask him to come to our podcast. Well, and so he did. And uh, our podcast is produced with the collaboration of Merit Media. Today's hosts are Anna and Martin. Hello, Peter. Thank you for joining us in our podcast. And uh, maybe right from the beginning, you can just tell us what is your role at the university? Hi, what guys. Do you, what do you do? Yeah. Thank you very much for having me. This is exciting. <laughs> It's our pleasure. Uh, so, uh, officially, my position is uh, called uh, Professor MSO, which basically means Professor with Special Responsibilities, and in my case, it's Special Responsibilities in Experimental Surgery. So, that's my position. And uh, basically, when I was hired, the uh, idea was that I will spend approximately half of my time doing my own research in uh, urology and ha half time I will be helping other researchers with surgical techniques on uh, experimental animals. And uh, basically that's what is uh, going on with me. I am uh, interested in uh, neurourology so it's basically an area of uh, urology where we look at how nerves are regulating the lower urinary tract and how they are regulating erectile function so that's my own research and then in the other part uh, i run a microsurgery course that uh, students phd students young doctors take that's uh, twice uh, Uh, a year, it's my own course, and then I participate with a in a course with a plastic surgeon in another course that plastic surgeon mm -hmm. is running. And then I collaborate with many people, so in, in this sense, this is very exciting. And you have a preferred part of, of your, is it a teaching or... The is it the animals? Or <laughs> so... Basically, how this is better than my previous uh, appointments is that this is a better fit for me for beca because I uh, uh, am educated as a physician and I worked uh, for about four years in urology. And um, the discipline does have some microsurgical techniques in it and I always enjoyed it. And then... I went to US and I was working as a basic researcher and I've never trained as a basic researcher. 
So this uh, microsurgical techniques is very kind of a fitting well to my uh, past training mm-hmm. and also to what I enjoy. And I enjoy teaching in a sense that I like to teach the technical skills. Uh, I do lecture some topics in urology, but that, that's minimal. But I also I, I teach a lot in the course, but also one-on-one uh, some students if they would like to. Need some supervision. Or yeah, yeah, if they need supervision. And then you mentioned US. Can you, because when uh, I was first talking to before we did this interview, you've made a long journey to, to come to Denmark. So you started in Slovakia, where you are from, yeah. studying the university, being a doctor, then going to the US. Can you just yeah. take us through it? Take us through your yeah. journey. So I went to medical school in Bratislava, and uh, after that I got a position in an academic department, in an academic position. And so the idea was that I should go and... Uh, learn uh, research in some uh, foreign, you know, specialized uh, department where I can learn something that's not going on in Slovakia. So I went, I was very lucky because our department had contacts with the University of uh, California, San Francisco. So I went to a urology department there And the idea was that I will be there for a year and uh, bring some ideas and techniques and then develop them in Slovakia. But uh, I really found this work very interesting. The one thing was the work. The other thing was that I was sort of left to myself and I could uh, initiate studies and... Uh, had a very good support so th- so I found it very interesting and but I was still planning to go back but uh, when my first end wo- year was coming to the end there was a, a, a another postdoc postdoctoral fellow who was from Montreal and he was coming back and he offered me come with me I'm starting a lab we already work together you're gonna help me with the lab So I went there with him, and it actually the life uh, kind of went quite nicely along with that because in uh, San Francisco we had no health insurance. So we had one daughter that was two years mm-hmm. at that time, and when I got the job in Montreal, we knew that uh, we can have another baby because Canada gives health insurance to everyone as opposed to US. So uh, then we came to Montreal and uh, my younger daughter was born there and it was wonderful time. There there was I was completely independent. I was running the lab on my own. This uh, friend uh, who was my boss, he was three years older than me and he was uh, busy you know, taking care of patients. So I, I had met students that worked with me. So it was very exciting. And uh, in meantime, the situation in Slovakia with the healthcare kind of was 
going downhill a little bit in a sense <laughs> that it was underfunded and it's also a different system. You can't really be a young doctor and be uh, independent, maybe now more so, but back then you were just there to work and do what they tell you to do. So there was so like no, no space for you to... The, it like would be very hard for me mm. to continue to do what I, what I learned to do. So, so I started uh, looking into uh, uh, positions and then based on my kind of work that I've done in research, I was able to get a green card as a, I mean, it sounds fancy, but it was as a special exceptional abilities. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. <laughs> <And> basically, it <laughs> was like I had some papers and then I had some recommendation mm -hmm. letters and, and then I hired a lawyer. And that, that, <laughs> <laughs> that was basically it. So, um, so then we moved to Vermont and in Vermont I uh, was for 20 years part of the urology department running their lab and, and working with med students and... and PhD and mm -hmm. graduate and postgraduate students. So, so that's a very long answer to your <laughs> question. That's a very long story. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you learned to, so you returned to the no health insurance place again <laughs> after some happy years in Montreal when you went to Vermont. Yeah, but <laughs> but I got a job, so there was health insurance with the job, came with the job. The the Vermont was great. We love Vermont. We still there's still the closest place to home because the kids grew up there mm -hmm. and they still go there at least once a month. Uh, it's, a, it's a very nice rural state with a very good ski conditions and we are all downhill skiers so we love it there and we had a very nice uh, time over there. It seems like <laughs> you like remembering that it's yeah. about 20 years. That's a, yeah. that's a long, yeah. long time. Yeah. yeah, but that makes me think like a downhill skiing lover gets to Denmark. <laughs> yeah. And there is no snow and no mountains. <laughs> well, we had some snow. We had, yeah. we had three weeks snow. of snow yeah, this yeah. year. That and was there amazing. Like Cross-country skiers. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so Next what year. was the last step of the journey? What like what? Yeah, so the kids left the house and uh, we were there on our own and uh, my father passed away in 2012 and my mom was very kind of dependent on him so she right away needed a lot of help and my my brother lives in Bratislava but uh, uh, I felt like now is the stage in my life where I should help my mom and same for for Katarina for my wife but then the the other thing was that uh, the job was very exciting there was it was really something that when we found the uh, job opening here I knew that I have to go and interview because it it sounded ideal fit but for it's what just I do. The, the basically the same thing you did in back in Ver Vermont? Or? Well, except for that uh, experimental surgery portion. So basically what I've been always thinking about that is that when you are being trained as a surgeon treating patients, 
you are you are trained to do everything exactly according to the protocol. So everything you do during the surgery is according to the protocol. In rat and mice in the experimental lab, everybody just kind of develops techniques on their own. Okay. And then it's very difficult to compare the data. It's, it's uh, obviously not an optimal procedure if everybody's kind of, or many people are just learning from somebody else in the lab. And uh, here they train the surgery on, on experimental animals in the same manner as, as a human surgery is done. So basically they for about at least 15 years had this uh, professor coming from Holland and he's done courses here on in surgery. And when I came here, he just, uh, just interviewing, he was, he was having a course and I, all of a sudden I saw that, yes, this is exactly what I was thinking about, that mm -hmm. this has to be done in a certain ideal way so now I am doing it. He, he retired and I kind of took his place. So that's, that's very exciting to me. And then as far as uh, my own research, I can still do it. Uh, the things that I would really like to do. So, so it, the, the, f the job is a really good fit. And that was, I should have said that was the main reason. And then being close to my mom was something that was also very important. Yeah. And when you like uh, take a look and maybe step back and look back to all those years, how do you how do you think of those moving around the world and it for sure brought a lot of uh, good memories to you and yeah. experiences. Yes, de definitely, definitely. I mean everything has two sides to it. Yeah obviously but uh, i can you know now another nice thing once i'm here i i get to uh, spend time with my old friends that i many of them i haven't seen for 20 even more years so you mean your friends in slovakia, in slovakia. Yeah. and i can compare my life to their life and uh, i think it I, I'm really happy that it worked out this way. Um, it's complicated because uh, kids are in US and they will uh, be there and a grandkid will be there. Mm. My mom is in Slovakia and my, and my um, in-laws are there and, and our siblings are there. So it's complicated, but, but uh, it's fun. It's it's a lot of fun. We we were always kind of strange family. We lived in a little town, and we were the only pretty much foreigners over there. So uh, the the end result is like I am not really. I don't really fit anywhere. That's a kind of a tough part there, mm -hmm. in in all of it. But other than that, it was a very exciting life and uh, we we are very fond of the memories and i can't i wouldn't change it for for anything mm. i mm. think i saw the biggest smile on your face when you talked about montreal <laughs> was that your favorite part yeah yep. yeah <laughs> it was you know kids were little uh life was so so simple we had one income and it's not like 
what the students get paid here. It was it was a lot less <laughs> that that I was uh, you know the PhD and I was a postdoc. So we had uh, you know we lived a very basic life, but we were completely happy over there. Yeah, sounds really nice. <laughs> yeah, another smiles. <laughs> you can't see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <sighs> and if you look at uh, for example at the, the universities. Um, for example, here in Denmark, you also have the experience in, mm-hmm. in Slovakia, from the US 20 years in Vermont in Canada. Um, how do you look at this from, from your perspective? Do you, because, for example, uh, okay, also, of course, if you want to touch upon this, uh, on this team, but, for example, Danish, they are quite proud of uh, their balanced work, uh, free time. Mm-hmm. Maybe something different in America, something different in Slovakia. Yeah. yeah. Where's where was your best conditions for, or if you can say that I don't know, it's, or if you can somehow. Yeah. So so th- there's one big contrast in this that uh, the healthcare, the level of healthcare here and in US, more or less is the same. There, there are differences, you know, in, in, in specifics, but, but as far as how it, what kind of procedures are done and what kind of uh, equipment and how they adapt a new, uh, it's, it's more or less the same. Mm-hmm. The young doctors in uh, US have a 80 hour work week. And okay. that is after they had to reduce their hours. So before there was no limit. And at some point, it was about 10 years ago, they made this law that the doctors are not allowed, the young doctors work more than 80 hours a week. And I can tell you 90% of them, 90% of the time, week, 90% of the week do work 80 hours. They have to log their hours and they are not allowed to work more, but they don't really work less. Here it's 37 and a half. It's a, it's a huge difference. In the end, the, the healthcare system is the same. Mm. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of interesting thing you, you touch upon. Yeah. Because someone spends maybe two times, two times as much time as, as here, and then yeah. we, we see the same kind of result. How, do you, how yeah. would you look on this, on this thing? Are Danish two times more efficient? <laughs> <laughs> They're definitely more efficient. I mean, in research, for sure. In research, you know, in Vermont, we would come to work around 8.39, and then if you would be leaving at 5 o'clock, people would be surprised, like, what is going on? Do you have something, you know, some <laughs> appointment, or why are you leaving so early? So, but then they would stand in hallways and talk, which is not a bad thing in research because you want to bounce ideas against, you know, here, here people come to work, they, they work very efficiently and everything is very planned. That's, that's also a very specific thing for, for, for Denmark that it, for anyway, my, my area mm-hmm. of uh, work, that everything is planned months ahead and everything is planned down to the main detail. Otherwise, I don't know. I, I, I think they must learn more in US, but in the end, it, it, it doesn't make much difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
they're completely exhausted. Uh, I, uh, but, yeah, I'm sorry, sorry to cut you off. I just get, get the idea about how, how did you perceive, because you were a young doctor at that time as well. And well, so I never practiced medicine in the US. I, I was doing full-time research, but, okay. the, but the research uh, was uh, mm, also more, more, more hours than here. And sometimes I, I miss that. I, I get uh, students from Vermont, the medical students uh, from Vermont come here and work in my lab seven weeks during the summer months. Mm -hmm. And those, they just, you know, if they need to work 10 hours, seven days in a row, they, they, they don't consider that anything unusual. And then they get, you know, a few days off to, mm -hmm. to travel and whatnot. Uh, with, the, with the regular work here, the things have to be planned so that they can, uh, you know, finish around 3.30, o'clock. So that, that's a big difference. It doesn't make that much, uh, uh, you know, doesn't, you don't see the medicine being different. And uh, I think having the work life balance is really something that's that's uh, very special the, it, it also is good for research because they can take time off uh, and, and come to the well but you know for example they are on call during the night mm -hmm. then the next day they get off so i have uh, this young surgeon that she comes to the lab and works in the lab for a while so that that also gives you more flexibility in U.S., you are resident three to six years, depending on a specialty, and those three to six years, you just work 80 mm. hours a week, the, the whole time. And yeah, so that, that's, a, that's a huge difference. Very hard to imagine that's <laughs> <laughs> yes. such a long work week. <laughs> but what I'm thinking about is that all the journey you said you've done with your wife, and it's quite interesting to imagine for me sitting here with Martin, it's not the yeah <laughs> let's skip this part but <laughs> i was wondering that you were quite like partners in crime you just did all this together so if it helped if it helped that you were always two of you to move together to like settle down together or how was it always a plan that you're gonna go together no matter what or how did you get through it no not not and you don't need to be worried about what katarina <laughs> yeah. would say <laughs> Not necessarily, like for example, uh, when we came to Vermont, Katarina was home with kids, they were little kids. So, and then uh, I knew, I think it was two years she was, the first two years she was at home. And then I just saw a, a, a opening in a, in a different lab and then she joined that lab and it was just coincident, just by chance, that it was also in a similar uh, type of research. She sometimes tells me that uh, she's, she didn't really make a decision about the type of research that she's doing because I, I directed you her. You made it. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, and then when we were coming, when I got the job here, the university was very nice in uh, setting up a... a, a 
position for, for her as well. So it's just kind of practically worked that way. Um, and it's and it's fine. It's you know, it's not something I would very highly recommend to work with your wife all your uh, all your life. But uh, thirty one years later, we're still together, so it's working somehow. Yes, you found your way through. <laughs> Good. Um, another turn I would like to make uh, was because I'm curious about the experimental animals that you say mm -hmm. that you work with so and i'm just like how does that work because like immediately when you said such a thing i can imagine that many people have that alarm in their head like that's cruelty and that stuff but i just think that that's the way you learn so mm -hmm. i was just curious what's behind like how does it work with these animals what animals you work with and yeah so uh um we 80-90% of research, uh, at least in this, this physiology research or, or a translational research, which basically means that there are some discoveries that are done on cell cultures or are done in <coughs> test tubes, and then they are tested in the animals before they are br brought into the clinical practice. So 80-90% of that is done on, on rats and mice mm -hmm. or rodents because they use guinea pigs as well, for example. <clears throat> and uh, the, the criteria are extremely strict. Okay. Every protocol, no matter what you are going to do, you have to write a protocol and that protocol is approved by the governmental agency. It's called Animal Inspectorate. And uh, after that, everything has to be followed to the T. So we basically take care of them just the way you take care of patients. We come at midnight to give them pain medication after the surgery. We, uh, you know, whatever that's, that's necessary. And uh, it's actually another thing to compare between us and here so like you mentioned that it's a kind of a controversial issue so in us it was kind of kept very i don't want to say secret but it wasn't talked about in denmark everything is very open it's it's very well organized from the standpoint of the ethics and uh, and animal care I, I think it's it's the ethical um, aspects of this are very important and very very strict also every, every if you would ever look into the publications the first paragraph uh, says how the animals were cared for mm -hmm. what's the number of the protocol of the so it's uh, you know could be so it's it, it's done in a very very precise uh, and ethical way which is exactly the same in the US and here the only difference is that here it's also out there in the public to for everybody to see so, so even if that there's nothing controversial exactly. about that yeah okay. 
or, okay. or there is it's just an education for the public why this yeah. is necessary we have open house for example uh, uh, we come to the sdu open house and we demonstrate uh, not on the live animals there but we we sort of uh, simulate what we do we bring microscope we bring laparoscope and <clears throat> and show mm -hmm. what we do so it's it, this is also something that is very um, i would say on a high level mm -hmm. as far as uh, very well organized and very honest for everyone to see, can we come and have a look? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> we'll join a, either a kindergarten yeah. kids yes. or... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good. Should we run to the last question? Unless you have anything else? Yeah, I guess we can do that. Go for it. Should we meme? Okay. Better we have one... Since you listen to a few episodes, you might know our secret trick. But we have uh, one question that we ask every guest that we have here so I would like to ask you as well and that question is if you have some kind of a life hack something that help you in your life that just makes it easier or more funny or and it can be a Anything. very random thing or it can be some yeah so if you have something like that you can take a while to think we can yeah kind of I, I, I've seen it first I have to I had to Google the, what the life hack is <laughs> being a senior <laughs> person. But I, to tell you the truth, I didn't think about it. It's, uh, I mean, there are two things that are important for me and that I use in my life in, uh, when I go through harder patches. One is kind of my immediate family, even though we, everybody is somewhere else. I use my family members for, you know, also to 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 just vent and but also for advice and uh, and there is no hierarchy. Once I use one person, the uh, some of them are a little more specialized for for uh, <laughs> this area or that area, <laughs> but usually I just call one one of them or or go next door and talk to my wife <laughs> but uh, the the kind of a trivial thing is uh, is exercise and and mostly hiking i love to hike and i love we have tatras which are really wonderful and i think they are the most special mountains because they are like alps but com compressed together so you can yeah. you do see two. all the beauty at one place yeah and you can do two peaks in one day or something like yeah. that so that that helps me a lot uh, that's how i also reconnected with my friends from youth because that's what we did when we were in medical school as students and now we are you know uh, gray hair and whatnot but well, we still can do it the same same places and that's are still yeah. there <laughs> yeah perfect well yeah. Thank you very much for joining us today. It was definitely no, thank you very much for having me. Right. It was fun. Perfect. And that would be it for today. Thank you very much for joining us. And if you are interested in science, uh, we have a small recommendation for you. Go and listen to Emma's episode where she discusses uh, science-related topics as well. So thank again also for making it through the longest intro in the history of the podcast. And see you next Wednesday. Bye.